Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is part two of episode 52, and it's a Greenpeace special. Um, hope you enjoyed part one. I loved speaking to Ben Stewart, great guy. Um, had a really good chat and really got on well. Um, and if there was ever anyone to perfectly do a teaser and feeder for part two, he set up so many good stories. So that was great. Um, at the beginning, the last one I started to say about speech development records, but again, it's always a, a lovely for you to support that. But in this podcast, you will hear, particularly at the end, we go into a lot of detail on how you can support and help the campaign. It, this one's an interesting one because I've discussed on the podcast before my um, my sceptical views of charity and the, the, the role of charity in the UK at the moment. So a lot of people will be surprised I've done this two-part special on Greenpeace. But the exciting part for me with Greenpeace is they're kind of more of an activist group trying to make change. It's, it, it's not a, I don't know, a, a very briefly, I've discussed before how I think charity in the UK has become somewhat, I don't know, it, it, charity should always be a personal choice. It should be something you choose to do. It shouldn't be a badge of honour to wear in public, which it has become, for me, a lot through social media. Um, and again, it should also be a personal choice that if you choose not to, there's nothing at all wrong with that. It's your individual choice. Whereas again, I think with things like the ice bucket challenge and all these other things, there's certain things where people are basically saying, if you're not th- th- donating to this charity, or just if you're not pouring a bucket of water over your head for a charity that I have no personal connection to or knowledge of, it annoys the hell out of me. Um, and I think it's rude. And I think it's, it's, it's a lot of pressure. Um, you can be actively supportive of charities completely privately. It doesn't have to be a public thing at all. Um, I always remember after the Mayweather a Pacquiao fight, a lot of people were saying about how much that they earned, which was a crazy amount. They said, well, it, you know, it's a shame neither have given any of it to charity. You don't know that. They may have given a lot of it to charity and it's wrong to assume Equally, it's wrong to say that you have to, if you've earned this money, you have to give it to to, to charity. I'm kind of arguing against charity at the beginning of this podcast, but you get the idea. I'm not saying you'll listen to this story and you'll see why I wanted to support this. And I think it's a great cause and I don't see it quite the same as a lot of the different um, guilt-based charity pleas. This is um, an issue that Frank and Ben both you know, put a lot on the line for. And I think it's a fascinating, fascinating story. It's scary, it's heartbreaking, it's harrowing, but it's also inspiring. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Um, I've rambled so much, I've not even mentioned. So as I'll say at the beginning, it's it's Ben Aliff and um, Frank Hewitson. Um, And Frank was the actions coordinator and one of the the Arctic 30. Um, and Ben is uh, one of the main Arctic campaigners. He's, he's, he's running a lot of that campaign. Um, so Frank was out there in the sea um, and having to deal with things as it happened. And Ben was back coordinating at the UK offices and trying to make s- s- some sense of the absolute m- m- mayhem that came after. So We'll get all into that and you're going to love this episode. So I'll leave it to them now and we will get right into episode 52, part two of the Greenpeace special. This piece of fiction is the intro to destruction. This piece of fiction is the intro to destruction. This piece of fiction is the intro to destruction. 
of our, our Greenpeace podcast and I'm sitting here now with Frank Hewson and Ben Aliff. Is it Aliff or Aliff? Aliff. I tried That's to right. look you up on Facebook but you were gone <laughs> apparently. There's yeah, I've had a midlife crisis. It's an inside joke from what we were discussing <laughs> earlier. Um, yeah, and we're here to discuss a lot of insane stuff. I feel I should just just to get straight into the story, essentially, if that's okay with everyone, I yeah, should ask yeah, how your day's been and things like that. But, you know, we've been talking for a bit before, and I know you're all of sound mind and and, and comfortable. Um, so for anyone who's listening who doesn't know, in, in, in September 2012, I believe it was, you planned, or that's when it, it took, took place, but... 13. 13. Oh, 13. Sorry, I've noted that completely wrong. Um, in 2013... You planned an action to travel um, on the Greenpeace ship, the Arctic Sunrise, to scale a Russian oil platform owned by a Gazprom to protest their oil in, in the Arctic. Um, so can we talk at first, uh, Ben, you're, the, you're kind of the Arctic campaigner as such, and I haven't even explained it, and Frank was on the on the trip. So, uh, Ben, uh, can we first talk about the the planning of a thing like that and the kind of excitement, I guess. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny because we were actually at the platform the year before. So yeah. in, in 2012, so Kumi Naidu, who's the international head of Greenpeace was, was on the ship. And this, this was an early stage of the Arctic campaign. Yeah. And we went up there to Russia and Kumi climbed on the platform, um, you know, got a, a thorough soaking from the security yeah. team on the rig but that was it. So there was a Coast Guard uh, on station who was basically saying, not our problem, Gazprom needs to deal with this and we're just watching. Right, so yeah. it all passed off incredibly peacefully. And so we realised that the, 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 the importance of this platform is, is really because it's the only one anywhere in the Arctic that's actually producing oil. So it's right. a bit of a world first. And it's, you know, the, the personification, if you like, of the, the industrialization of the far north that we're yeah. seeing. So it was always in our sights. And we wanted to go back there in 2013. So we were working with a number of people from various Greenpeace offices. So here in the UK, obviously the Russian office, our office in uh, Copenhagen as well. And basically the plan was to go back and do the same kind of thing that yeah. we've done before. So um, really just to, to highlight what was going on there, that, the, you know, that there was this threat to the Arctic. And hopefully just to wake people up to, you know, to the, the threats that the Arctic were facing. Is, is, is there a big difference in planning um, kind of actions that are in the UK and actions that are, are, are global, essentially? Because there's, obviously there's, there's, there's many legs and arms of Greenpeace. So what was, is, is there a difference in that? Or is it like, here's what we're doing? Kind we're, of, yeah. We're I going mean, there. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, at, at the heart of it, it's all pretty much, you know, uh, yeah. doing you know, the same thing. How do we climb up this thing, be a... Yeah. an oil tank or a building or whatever um, to be perfectly honest it's a lot easier I've always found it when you're just doing something with one office yeah. because you've got everyone in the same room in the same building of and you can just crack on and do it whereas the difficulty um, of working on a project like this was that it involves so many parts of the organisation so you've got the ship's team who do you know, run the Arctic Sunrise and the other ships in the Greenpeace fleet you've got loads of different Greenpeace offices um, You've got to come to sort of, you know, there's a lot of collective decision making yeah. and stuff like that. So the process is actually quite laborious and it took months and months to get, you know, to that moment where, you know, Frank was in the water um, yeah. with the ribs of the platform. And a lot of that sort of like quite tedious legwork that, you know, people 
probably wouldn't think um, too much about when they actually see like you know the banners being dropped and yeah, stuff like that so but you know it was actually I remember it was actually um, it was difficult the process but again it, it um, it's often I think Greenpeace's biggest strength when we, when we can work internationally like this you yeah. know we cut across cultures all, all across, together and work, yeah precisely and, work on and um, you know everyone realised the importance of doing doing what we wanted to do and taking the ship up there yeah. and so from that sense there was a lot of positivity, energy and, and support behind the plan. Completely. I was going to say, one of the things I got from talking to Ben Stewart previously was the kind of excitement, I guess, when planning these things, because there is a buzz of, right, here's what we're going to do, and this is going to have a big impact, and it's where um, he described it as, as the closest you can get to, to planning a bank robbery and still have your parents proud of you. Essentially, so no, it's kind it, of had that excitement and buzz and feel. Oh, definitely, um, and it's it's you know it, it's um, when you know the Arctic Sunrise left um, port up in Kirkenes in Norway. Yeah, it, it's basically like a step into the unknown, and there is that sort of sense of trepidation of you know wondering are they going to make it, how's it going to go, but you know that sense of pride that you've actually got this yeah, far, and. Completely. Then, for, I mean, for me, it, it always involves, because the connections with the ship at that far north are always quite difficult. Yeah. A lot of the time, you know, there's no internet and stuff like this. So I was running up massive bills on my mobile yeah. um, to get into the sat phone on the ship. Right. So much so that I got a call from O2 saying, um, there is some very, very suspicious calls on your phone. You've been <laughs> phoning um, the Russia, you know, you've been phoning sat phones in Russia. Yeah. What's all this about? And I flippantly was like, yeah, because I work for MI6. Yeah. And there was this long pause on the end of the phone from O2, and they were like, seriously, it. what are you doing? So, well, at, least the, at least it's nice to be flagged for a, a exactly. legitimate reason. Yeah, exactly. you know, at least it's not one of them annoying ones where they're like, were you phoning those websites again? Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> sorry. Exactly. So let's go over to, to Frank now and get to the, the point where you're... You, You've set off and you're essentially arriving at your at your location and destination. Can you kind of talk us through how that all went and then obviously what happened? It's a, a, a lot to ask. Isn't it? It's quite a bit. Uh, we had really good weather, yeah, uh, which was extremely fortunate. We set off from Kirkenes with this massive weather window, yeah, and it was for that part of the world, that far north, it was uncanny how calm it was. Yeah, so we were really keen to get there quite quickly. Of course, and we get wanted that kind of green light. Yeah, exactly. And we wanted to try and time it with sea ice minimum. Yeah. It's normally around September 17th, 18th, 19th. It would have been mm-hmm. a good sort of um, conjunction, actually. Yeah. Um, we were tailed really quickly by a Russian Coast Guard. Mm-hmm. They'd been monitoring us in Kirkenes. And as Ben yeah. said, we'd done it a year before. I was going to so say, that's going to... I feel standard at that point, really. That they you're going were to be expecting us. We'd been doing some tours up around Novaya Zemlya anyway a month before, yeah. where they had stopped us and turned us turned us told back, turned back. Um, and they immediately questioned us, and we said, "Well, we were proceeding in international waters. Um, mm-hmm. We've got an application for the Northern Sea Route, the so-called um, Northeast Passage." Yeah, and they said, "Oh no, you don't." We said, no, no, we do. We've lodged it. And we had done, actually. Yeah. So we kept up this fiction yeah. until we got close to the Kara Gates, where the North Sea route starts. Yeah. And then we hung a, a right and headed straight towards Blue yeah. Again, I, I, I love the almost ch- childish excitement of that, of, of walking along with a straight face until the last minute and turning and running, essentially, and <laughs> yeah. towards your, yeah. your location. 
Yeah, Obviously not quite the same because you've, you've got to move a huge ship. Off quite quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that panic. Uh, yeah, you know, we, it did make the plans change. Yeah. I wanted to turn up at night time, actually, mm-hmm. from about 10, 15 miles away. Yeah. With just the ribs, so hopefully underneath the radar. Yeah, And course. I wanted to try and get the climb team up before they knew that the Greenpeace ship was there. Yeah. Now, with a tail, that was never going to happen, so it changed a little bit. Yeah. And that came down to waiting for the right time of day when there was just enough daylight to film. Yeah. But it was still more or less night time. Yeah. And we launched our boats, which were much quicker to launch, actually, than their boats. Right. They had an antiquated system. And so we were off and running. We got to the oil rig about five to ten minutes before they arrived. Can't right. quite remember now. But, they, but when they did arrive, and this was the FSB Coast Guard, the yeah. armed Coast Guard right. personnel, they were immediately um, very aggressive. Yeah. Um, they'd been sent there this year to not let it happen. Right. Greenpeace were not going to do this again. And if they do, we're going to teach them a lesson. That was the sort yeah. of the overriding vibe that I got. So a massive change instantly from what yep. you were expecting, essentially, because yep. where you've mm. scouted it before, you've seen what the reaction is. It's suddenly right now, that's not yeah. what the reaction not is. That's a very different they, game plan. And we sort of knew that because we have a lot of uh, Russian... Um, campaigners involved. Yep. We had um, uh, two or three people who really understood how the politics were working in Russia at the time, mm-hmm. and so we kind of knew that they, this time they would take positive action. Yeah. Um, but it was very direct, and it, yeah. it was violent. Yeah. Um, they were they were stabbing our boats pretty much immediately. Right. Wow. Um, so there was no real chance to talk to them and ask them the time of day. Uh, it was straight into, yes. you, you go, you go now. So no declaration of your intent or your, your we authorization. We did contact like that, them but... and we said it was non-violent yeah. protest. Um, that we were here to take uh, action against uh, drilling in the Arctic and da-da-da-da-da-da. And it was not so new being confronted with um, aggression, but the knives and the guns yeah. was, was really heavy. Yeah, again, from um, a, a, a reading uh, Ben's book, just seeing that, again, the, the level of that, people, you know, helicopters and armed, armed response instantly and ag- aggressively. So how... What kind of? How do you react to that? What, what well, calls did you it, have to make at that point? It's quite funny because we've done, as Ben was saying, we've done a lot of oil rigs yeah. uh, in the history of Greenpeace. And actually, like, offshore direct action is pretty much our speciality, yeah. right? We yeah, people do it. Um, but we've gone out of our way to meet industry standards. Yeah. So if we do come up to an oil production rig. You know, the first instance are going to be going with a diesel rib. Our radios will be intrinsically safe. Yep. We'll have gone through the similar health and safety. Right, okay. Because, so when the first gun gets discharged within five metres of a production platform... Wow. I think, ah, oh, they're not so worried, actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're far more worried about us. And yeah, that's petrifying. That, Again, the amount that you would have gone through in that, mm. that planning to be we so cautious more, and be so trained and aware that as that soon happened. as that's happening, you're like, right. And all logic goes out the window. We've got essentially. these balaclavas that inside with the whites of these eyes of a, yeah. of a 19 year old with a gun yeah. who thinks, who has belief 
what he's been yeah. told by his captain that we are terrorists and we are here to sink the rig you know yeah. and uh, whatever oh, wow. you are saying to them on the radio or to their face they're Stubborn. sort of under orders yeah, yeah. right and they um they honestly believe you to be a, a definite threat to yeah to life and limb you know and so, um, so, so yeah to be greeted by that level of um of aggression of 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 misinterpretation, I really guess, or, or misrepresentation of your intentions there. Yeah. Um, what were your options at, at that point? I mean, I'd imagine they were f- few and far between, but... We were still, at that stage, trying to get climbers up. Right. Because every time we managed to get a rope up, we got two or three ropes onto mm. the heli, just below the heli deck. Yeah. Which was 30 metres above wow. sea level. So we were firing his catapult line... Yeah. up and down and every time we got the line through and then pulled the climbing rope through yeah. after it literally just when they came in and got a knife out and cut it or pulled it on yeah. so every attempt we made they, they managed to get through and get to us yeah um, so we carried on uh, despite the guns in our faces wow. and the knives we just carried on and carried on and carried on and eventually they had problems and one of our boats managed to get round the blind side and get a rope up and then right. we got two climbers up and I was also still trying to get the survival capsule in at that stage the yeah. pod yeah the pod that was which, intended to be hung from and which we were intending to hang from because the year before as Ben said when Kumi had climbed up there they were throwing chunks of steel wow 10 mil thick yeah uh, size of a decent sort of biscuit yeah yeah enough to stove in your head yeah, if it hits yeah. and they were being thrown down into the tent right they were ripping the tent and yeah. hitting bouncing mm. off people's helmets that, yeah that's so crazy. we needed survive we needed yep. some kind of protection and that's what this capsule would have given us and that's what we were trying to get up yeah so at, at what point did you have to um ch- change the the panel because pretty much immediately yeah um when they started stabbing our boats yeah. and guns in the faces I thought there was just no way we were going to get the pod up yeah because they would have seen that as a mm. bomb or whatever. Yeah, well, they did. You know, that's what they tried to, to talk they, about. They, they tried to yeah. insinuate that it was illegal research equipment at one No, stage. they said it was a bomb. I mean, yeah, bomb. they said that they. The, yeah, I mean, and this was the you know the the sort of the absurdity that you get to sometimes. I mean, the you know, they said, as Frank said, the original sort of um, claim from the Russian authorities that were, were that Greenpeace were you know like a terrorist organization that was. Mm determined to, you know, violently seize control of the platform, which, I mean, is just anyone who knows anything about Greenpeace knows it's complete yeah. nonsense. And, you know, they were like, this was a, a, an unrecognised vessel, you know, ploughing towards a platform. And it's like, well, the Arctic Sunrise has eight-foot, you know, eight-foot white Greenpeace letters on, down yeah. the side of it yeah. with a six-foot dove and a rainbow at the front of it. Yeah. You, cannot yeah. mi- you cannot mistake. Pretty easy to identify. Exactly. And so, but this, it was sort of the constant, and late, much later, you know, throughout the, the Arctic 30 sort of experience, we get a lot of this, you know, this sort of drip feed of misinformation from... Yeah. The Russian authorities, and I think ultimately it came down to the fact that they the what was different, I think, from the Arctic Thirty in the year before was that Putin had put much more sort of personal prestige into the the uh, the fact that Russia was an Arctic player, and right. that, you know they were talking about investing half a trillion dollars in oil development in the Russian Arctic alone. So this the platform Preslomnia was basically the, the the forefront of Russia's plans. 
And to have Greenpeace uh, rocking up there and, and doing what we wanted to do, I think was th- that moment was just beyond the pale. Yeah. And that really, I think, um, goes some way to explaining, you know, the mm. just the insane. You know, when we saw the, when we got the footage um, back, it actually came from the FSB originally, the, the right. Russian security services of the of like automatic weapon fire um, yeah. from the platform. And it's just like, you know, Frank and I have been at Greenpeace for a long time, and you know, done a lot of these sort of things, and. We were just, you know, in the office, we were just dumbstruck. You know, I mean, we'd never seen anything like it. Let's uh, talk about that because one of the keys um, of, of modern Greenpeace actions is communication and being open and getting a, a this out there. So while you're in the middle of the ocean in horrible situations, you you guys, I assume, are trying to get as much information back mm. as to what's going on and get that out online. I remember I was on, on Twitter and read and, and, and following loads of it on Twitter about what was actually happening, which is key with with um, opponents, I guess, like mm. Russia, who are very much one of the nations who are about closing information and trying to live in their own little yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, dome. So yeah. I guess as, as worrying as it must have been and knowing that there was a lot of actions that you guys needed to take and start to look into, there must have been a lot as well that you're like, right, one key part is making sure this is public and that people know... Oh, what's going on? Oh, regardless yeah. of, because this could go incredibly bad. It could go quite bad. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of, of 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 areas on that scale. So, yeah, and it was. I mean, it was it, obviously. You know, the, the reason that we were there was to tell a story, mm. and whatever story that was, we were still determined to to, to get it out there. So, yeah, I mean, the, we were we were trying our best from from here and from the office in Copenhagen to try and. A, work out what was going on, you know, whether or not the climbers were safe, um, yeah. because t- um, two of them, Cine and Marco, were subsequently taken on board a Coast Guard ship. Um, right. So, you know, what was happening with them? Were guns fired? You know, all these sort of questions that were less about why we were there, uh, you know, to protect and stand yeah. up for the Arctic, but actually responding to this situation. This that huge just, reaction. Exactly. Um, became the order of the day. So... I remember the difficult thing again was this sort of the, the very poor connection that we would have with the ship. So yeah. it was, um, you know, the internet was patchy. The phones would come in and out. So you can see that you know the you know friends that you you know you love and you work with for a long time are having a terrible time up there. But you, we felt so kind of so far removed that yeah. it was difficult to um, to really do what you know to do our job that yeah. effectively because there was so much um, going on that we just had no idea about at that stage. Yeah, was, I can. Completely imagine how you're going to. As I said, you 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 want to know everything that's going on so you can react. But then you're also aware that even when you get that, you can't react yeah. particularly quickly because you're so far from this. There's there's almost you want to know, but you're aware that when you know, there's fuck all you can do. Really, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of yeah. I mean, it is. It's quite. Uh, that was one of the things that we sort of tried. I think from an early stage to get a grip on was you know, the sort of the flow of information and yeah. how we would, you know, really try to keep hold of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, because at that early stage, there was a risk of it just, you know, but going, and, and you know, all, all manner of places that, yeah. you know, we... And it was just not not really knowing how it would pan out, you know, yeah. what, what the Coast Guard would do next. You know, they started yeah. firing shots across our bow and all this kind of craziness. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a very, very strange time. And actually, it was, you know, a prelude to what turned out to be quite... A strange few months, really. Yeah. So uh, let's go back to, to your. So two people have been taken in by the Coast Guard. Um, yeah, Cindy and Cruiser. And 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 and, and 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 what happened then? How long was was there an extended s- s- 
standoff, a kind of... Because, again, from following online, I seem to remember there was a long time of trying to knock people, uh, let people in, ships being boarded, everything like that. Again, in the moment, for me as someone on Twitter, it's hard to remember and take in and gauge it. So I can imagine for you, in the middle of it, it's an insane... Yeah, I mean, after the intensity of the action at the rig... Yeah. Um... And people were shaken up by the discharge of firearms. Yeah. So Sydney crews are now being kept. They were not being given back. We were demanding them back. Yeah. And this odd standoff starts between the Coast Guard cutter and us. And the communication is awkward. I mean, no one is fluent in English on that ship. We're refusing to speak in Russian. Mm-hmm. Um, we wanted to be translated all in English so everybody yep. can get an immediate understanding of what was happening. And we sort of danced around each other for quite a bit and eventually went out about 20 miles away to negotiate the release, we yep. thought. And then that never happened, so we just went back. Right. And then they got really angry. Yeah. And somewhere, I can't remember in between that, but they did start um, pointing their deck cannon across and I think yeah. we fired 12 or 13 mm. shells. Yeah. And you could feel it through the hull yeah. and people were exhausted from the morning's activities so people were sort of nodding off and being jolted away by a cannon being yeah. fired and um, weird sort of um, air of normality about it and as much as that was happening but we were still tidying up and carrying on with yeah. normal deck duties yeah that's insane meanwhile Sydney and Cruiser were actually still trapped and we were worried about them again I mean that it's such a um, a, a complex situation in that obviously you're there for a reason uh, things have started to go bad so either you continue there for your reason or you leave and, and, and regroup but they've got two, two yeah. people so that, yeah. that stops being yeah, an option we going anywhere it removes that as an option or a consideration yeah. anyway so it's this no, that's right. you're locked and into this you know, it was it was farcical in as much as they said, now we fire across the back of your ship. Yeah. And we heard, ah, well, if you are going to do that, if you're missing the tank that says petrol, because yeah. that, that would, okay, yeah. we missed tank says petrol. I mean, you know, it's like... It's bizarre, isn't it? The kind of and, uh, slow it, negotiation it was, it was Threat. Yeah, and the, I mean, the other thing as well was that this is all taking place in international waters. So it wasn't yeah. in Russian territorial waters yeah. where they have, you know, in, in that 12 mile zone, they have the right, you know, to come yeah. on and, was, and seize people like that. I, I mean, that's it, the rights there. And that's what yeah. makes it inarguably yeah. atrocious. Because yeah, it's yeah, just, I mean, it's, 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 it's that's being decided yeah. by an international tribunal yeah. court yeah. now. Right. Um, yeah, that case is pending, isn't it? It but, is I mean, pending, yeah. The idea that. Um, and this is why it got, I mean, later on it got quite interesting in that, in the, you know, people like the Dutch government were up in arms about this because effectively what the Russian government were doing were seizing crew members from a Dutch ship right. uh, in international waters. And, yeah. I mean, as, as the lawyers said at the time, it's almost like a declaration of war against the Netherlands. And it was, you know, that, yeah. that serious. It's not, you don't stop cruise ships in the middle of the Atlantic and, and you know, haul people off. So yeah. it was, yeah, just a very, very weird weird time and you know you, as Frank was saying you get the again the clips you'd get were from the, the FSB who had a very active um, internet account pushing yeah. out all of these videos that they thought 
were perfectly, you know, acceptable showing, you know, guns being fired over the... what we're doing. Yeah. 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 And that for us was, I mean, that for us was was gold because it gave, you know, it just... We had no idea all this had been released (laughs) at the time. But But it just, it spoke very, very clearly and pertinently just to the complete absurdity of what was going on. You know, you had a gun, uh, sorry, a ship firing its cannon over a Greenpeace ship. And like, we, you know, we were like, well, this is... You know, this this speaks volumes for the you know for yeah. what we're seeing, and, and that. again, it's that it's that thing as well as uh, uh, I feel the need to highlight it again that it's in international waters. Yeah. It's different when I remember falling on Twitter and anything in the public, some people will counter argue or argue, mm. and people saying, "Well, you know, it's the Russians. Yeah. What do you expect?" So yeah. and so was like, "Yeah, but you're not in Russian. Yeah, you know, no, you're no. in international waters at this stage." So. That shouldn't be an argument. Yeah, you know, it, it, it shouldn't be anyway because you shouldn't say, "Well, if you go in that country, that yeah. they can do what they want." I don't accept that in general yeah. of humanity. But even more so in this situation, it's like, "Well, no, that isn't even the case." That's like saying, "They, well, yeah, they can essentially go anywhere and yeah, do what they want because it's, it's the Russians. Yeah. You know what they're like." But you know, we, I had, I was oh. on. Um, I remember doing a couple of, I think it was on like Sky News or something, an interview going into their London yeah. uh, and up against this fellow who. I think turned out to be ended up being um, UKIP's uh, election strategist. Right. So, draw your own conclusions there. But he yeah. was like going on about, well, you know, this is Russian territory; they can do what I want. And it's like, no, mate, it's not. It's, not, it's, it's international not, wars, yeah. and this is you may disagree with what Greenpeace are doing or the protest itself. You can't disagree with yeah, that. Yeah, this is it. this is international law, and if you, you know, if you follow this route, then you know, where does that lead us? So, so how was this essential? How did this part of the standoff? Come to an end, essentially. So you're 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 demanding at the return of of, of yeah, your they're crew. Refused. They're refusing that, and they're That's demanding right. you. Yeah, again, you tried going back to negotiate, came back in, which obviously yeah. And so we made our way back to three nautical mile radius mm-hmm. of um, Perizomnia, and we're sort of motoring around it. We're planning what to do next. I've had lots of mm. conversations with Ben. Mm. I mean, one of them, which was we're going to go up to those Coast Guard with a banner because they had inadvertently given out their direct line over the radio. Oh, wow. <laughs> really stupid. <laughs> yeah. So we got hold of it. So we had this banner saying, to release Sydney and Marco, ring 881, <laughs> which was the number of the Coast Guard. Yeah, yeah. genius. Which, which we thought was a clever idea. Yeah. Um, and then that was changed to the next day. We were going to go with the big rib, which was much faster and more manoeuvrable than theirs. Yeah. Um, we were going to go round, mm-hmm. round Pirazomnia, very close, but yep. with a big flag saying stop drilling in the Arctic. Yeah. And then come back. It was purely a photo shoot. Yeah. Um, that evening, one of the ribs from the Coast Guard vessel came along mm-hmm. and they said, we demanded that we let them on. We said, we're not going to let you on. Yeah. Um, you don't do that. Said, kind no, of no, thing. no, you will let us on. We want to. Said, no, we're not going to let you on because we know, we know what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. You've just fired us. <laughs> yeah. um, that's not the way you ask yeah. to come on board. Yeah. Um, and they attempted with a grappling hook. And these are big, burly guys of balaclavas. Yeah. You know, in their mind, they are Rambo. Yeah, yeah. Uh, albeit a young one. Yeah. And they couldn't get their hook up onto the ship. Right. Which is pretty embarrassing. Yeah, actually. yeah. Um, they failed twice and they sort of went back with their tails between their legs 
then I because and it's funny I remember th- I yeah. looking back at it I, w- I always wonder whether or not that was the moment where they thought fuck this we're not gonna we're not gonna be treated like this you know yeah, made, the embarrassment made a public of, spectacle of themselves I don't people know thought that yeah it was just because it did look I mean it was just comical I think that really. was sword in the wounds but yeah. they had made yeah. a decision very yeah. early yeah. on that we were gonna teach these guys a lesson yeah yeah and, and they did you know they, they that's what they set out to do and they, yeah they, you know subsequently banged us all up but they wanted them to board us so much that they had to get a helicopter in. Yeah. So that evening, the before the day before we were going to go round and round with the banner, it was dinner time, six o'clock, and the first mate had announced that there was a sun and a moon, mm-hmm. full sun, but in the same sky. And I thought, well, I'm going to go and look at that. So I yeah. stopped eating my dinner, yeah. pushed it aside and went up on the helicopter. On my Again, own. It's, it's, it's amazing, as you said, that the normality that becomes in this intense pressure situation that you're sitting having your dinner like, oh I'm going to have a look at the sun and moon that sounds nice and it's crazy how that becomes because you're in, in the middle of that That's, that is what it is yeah I guess so yeah. uh, life goes on yeah, on board, of course yeah, yeah. Uh, and it was a beautiful sight it really truly was beautiful mm. and I, I remember just seeing this tiny little wasp uh, near the oil rig and it got closer and I thought oh that's either the media or we're in trouble. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> And it really learned. It flew over the Coast Guard vessel and, st- and I thought, oh, fuck, that is it. And um, so I started screaming at the top of my voice to get to the bridge because I saw someone on watch and the engines, they just couldn't hear me. Yeah. So much that I hurt my throat. I was shouting so loudly. Yeah. And then suddenly the helicopter was directly overhead. Wow. And, poof, you know, almost knocked me over. And uh, that, at that stage, I think people who were still in the mess eating heard what, 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 yeah, what. Yeah, 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 yeah. The first thing they did was threw this um, abseil rope down in a bundle. And uh, before I even knew it, I'd caught the whole thing. <laughs> and I was looking up at them and they were looking down at me and I saw all this abseil rope. And I thought, well, fuck that. And so I yeah. just threw the whole <laughs> thing in the sea, right? So suddenly their rope is going from the helicopter just straight just into the north of the, sea, like, yeah. the Arctic Ocean. And uh, they were a bit nonplussed by this. And yeah. I thought, yes. I mean, it could have helped the guys who couldn't throw hooks up earlier. <laughs> yeah, 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 at least exactly. I could have climbed up that. And then one, but I think the roadmaster of the helicopter, he leaned down and he looked at me and just wagged his finger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I thought, oh, oh, oh. Okay. <laughs> And then they, then they, one came down, and uh, I adopted this sort of hands up thing because yeah. of the fact there was armed conflict. Yeah. Uh, earlier, I thought we don't want them to in any way think we're resisting in a aggressive manner. Yeah. And then we all sort of came out on deck, really, with our arms up. Yeah. Um, apart from the captain, who <laughs> is quite a funny story because he was um, just before dinner was doing his exercise. Yeah. Yeah. Because every day, you know, you do get a little bit portly on the ship yeah, you don't exercise because yeah. you're eating a lot and not going anywhere. Yeah, that's fair. So he's on this cross trainer <laughs> listening to Crosby, Stills and Nash. Brilliant. <laughs> you know, going <laughs> like backwards and forwards and absolute pandemonium happening in front of him. <laughs> and as a captain, I can't quite believe, didn't quite realise something was amiss. Yeah. And eventually, um, one of the crew went, Hey, Pete, you did not hear helicopter guns and everything. He goes, oh, shit. And, yeah, I, mean, um, I mean, when you start across a trainer routine, you've got to finish it. You've got to finish it. You know, I'm, like, I'm lap 15, goddammit. Speeding through. I'll be there in a minute. I'll be but, the, oh. the weight. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and meanwhile, you know, a few of us are getting slapped around on deck yeah. at this stage, mm. and guns are everywhere. And so again, they, they it was, it was the continuing huge aggression and force oh, yeah, from yeah. from yeah. the get go. They were so slightly forward. more professional, these guys, yeah. than the, than the Coast Guard. Well, they had a helicopter. They had a helicopter. They, you need more training if <laughs> they, you're going to they, run they, a helicopter they just game. A little bit. But having yeah. said that, I, I wouldn't have personally boarded a vessel like that. But yeah. uh, um, you're a purist. I'd, I'd have done it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you know they they seized control, and yeah. we were, in essence, we were compressed into only a few cabins. We were denied access to the outside. We were denied access to the captain. He was kept uh, in isolation from us. We were allowed in the mm-hmm. mess and the um, galley yeah. uh, for five days. For five days. Yeah. Oh, and, um, you know, we thought particularly hard done by it. Little did we know those were the salad days. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Truly the, the ones to think back on as what a joy. Yeah. Uh, so, so and a lot of games of cards were yeah. played. Loads and loads of cards. So at this point, Ben, I'd imagine there was a level of, of, of radio <laughs> silence, I guess. So well, it if, was... If once boarded, I'd imagine you've gone from as much regular contact as possible to wondering what's going on, essentially, or... Yeah, you know, I mean, expecting was, the worst, expecting on, on not knowing no, oh, what to expect. Well, it was the unknown, really, that, 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 you know, that really was, you know, it was not just the internet yeah. was down, it was that they were under lock and key and I mean there were throughout the entire Arctic 30 time there were moments where you'd step back and think what on earth is happening here this is just you know something out of like a film this is just completely bonkers and th- this this moment was one of them you know you'd, you'd hear uh, I was on the phone to Alex who was the one of our comms people on board mm-hmm. and she when they when the uh, the Russians came on board she was locked she locked herself in the radio room with our yeah. radio operator it's quite a quite a sort of a, a big door to sort of so to ensure that we can get, keep on getting stuff out yeah. and I remember hearing like these angry Russians just, you know just, just kicking the shit out the door like smashing it and smashing yeah. it and you know Alex was terrified and then the phone goes off um, yeah. and it's like we're just like we have no right. idea now what yeah. is going on and I think it was you wondering if it's O2 or yeah or exactly yeah, no, no. Well, I think <laughs> so I think, will be yeah. if it's the Russians or O2 <laughs> but we had to, um, I think Pfizer had a phone didn't she we, had, we managed to keep a phone and I got a call yeah. from Frank when um, so this was about four or five days later when they because they were then towed to Murmansk yeah. um, by the Coast Guard ship and I was just in the, in the garden out here in the office just having a cup of tea and my phone rang and it was Pfizer I was like oh I should probably answer this yeah, yeah. Um, and it was Frank and he was like explaining what had happened and yeah. what they thought was going to happen next and he was like we're just going to go to Murmansk to basically get checked in by the police and that was like the moment where we I mean we knew that, that they were heading to Murmansk so we were getting a team up there to sort of have some like a support base that we could do just to work out yeah. what was going to happen. So there was lots of stuff happening in the background, but that was like the first moment of... So kind of trying to react without still really knowing what you're reacting yeah, to. Just trying to be set up to react to whatever does happen. Yes, exactly. Very much. And that was, again, going to be the, the sort of the, the, the name of the game yeah. until they were out, because it was, it was always, we never knew with absolute certainty quite what the Russians were going to do next. There yeah. was always that sort of sense that they could just do something that's so off the wall that no one had ever envisaged it. Yeah. So it was always just trying to work, you know, what you'd almost be having like trying to plan with like 15 different um, possibilities that yeah. they may or may not do. So, But then aware that there's, there's so many things off of your plan that, oh, that, that, could, yeah, that yeah. could be thrown in there. So you were expecting to go there to kind of be 
checked in and whatnot. And again, as you said, it, 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 it went from bad to worse at that point. And was that, were you immediately taken to, to Russian prison, essentially? I know that sounds very... A blanket statement of Russian prison, but we all know we, we can all imagine what Russian prison. I don't need to like get any more specific than that, really. So yeah, yeah, it was pretty much as one thinks. Yeah. Um, we were told to pack for three hours, right? Um, and uh, you know, in hindsight, you should always never ever believe what they tell you. Yeah, of course. Um, and uh, Dima kind of knew this, but didn't tell anybody. Mm-hmm. But he packed this massive pink bag. <laughs> I'll never forget the fact, my God, the one thing I don't want to be going into a Russian prison yeah. with is a really big pink overnight bag. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we're only here for three days. Yes. Hi! <laughs> yeah. um, so that, that was, you know, unsettling because you, you just had the clothes. And that was yeah. it for the next yeah. two months as the clothes are standing up in. And, you know, Everybody had the now to take a book. Yeah. Not everybody, most people. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we've been next many times before. Yeah. Um, but there was something uh, portentous about it. You, you know, you, you arrived and you had, a security, you had a, this guy saying, I am your lawyer. You must not answer any questions, only talk to me. And then you're literally pushed in the back. Yeah. You're thinking, oh, uh, why isn't the inside waiting for us around a nice little interview table? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it did go from bad to worse. And then when we were in there, the uh, announcement was then made that uh, it's uh, terrorism, it's uh, piracy. Piracy. So, and again, the... That was the first 24, 36 hours. So, yeah, I mean, so as soon as you hear that, obviously it's alarm bells. I'd imagine as soon as you guys hear that and look into it, that it's... A, a crime that has um, a minimum of 10 years. Yeah. It's in a country that has a 99% yeah. guilty. Um, Which, unfortunately, I knew those figures. Yeah, so being aware of that. So, and again, the, 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 the things that you maybe can't predict or, or yeah. plan for because it's so off the wall of what you were actually doing and what you were there for. So, so what was the deal then? Were you... You've got your 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 lawyer who you've is, has told yeah. you firm, firmly that he's your lawyer. Um, so what happens then? Well, we never saw the lawyer Charles again. Right. Uh, only in passing in the corridor. Yeah, they processed all of us. Some of us were immediately taken away. Yeah, uh, some of us basically they ran out of time. They couldn't process all of us, and they were really worried that if they didn't charge us within three days, that they'd let us go. Yeah, so they reconvened on a Sunday. How many courts open up on a Sunday? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and then the remainder of us got packed off to uh, Mamansk Size One, which is a isolation prison. Yeah, uh, where all prisoners are kept separate from any of their uh, collaboratives. So you're you're in in again. So from you're reading taking, stories in the book, you're in with other people, but you're, you're in, all separate. And, and separate you are basically housed with. A cellmate with a appropriately similar article, as in charge. Right. Okay. So piracy, sadly, is quite up there. Yeah. So uh, I was in with a double manslaughter. Yeah. And again, uh, I, I, I don't know if it was purely for for protecting things, but I couldn't help but chuckle in the book that his name was 
a Boris, that you're in Russian <laughs> prison with Boris <laughs> on, on double. It, it just yeah. felt too perfect there in, in many ways. So, yeah. um, uh, so a guy on manslaughter, and there was another guy. He got, yeah, well, he, right? he ran a, a taser logging gang. Right, in wow. Romansk. Um He was... Entrepreneur. Entrepreneur, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and he actually, uh, in extremely broken English and non-existent Russian, quite a lot of drawing and moving things around, um... We managed to spark up a conversation after a few days, mm-hmm. um, and uh, played a lot of chess with him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, but I also made this rather. Now I look back and I realise I must have lost it a little bit because I asked for a Scrabble board. Wow, which is a great idea because it's a great yeah. way to spend time in prison. But with people who actually have a similar alphabet, <laughs> let yeah. alone unable to speak the language, who the hell I was going to be playing Scrabble with, I yeah. have no idea. And to make matters worse, when it turned up, they'd made somehow had made a, a rectangular Scrabble board for me, <laughs> oh, wow. which I think is actually impossible. <laughs> yeah. Somehow I got posted a rectangular Scrabble board. So not only was it in Cyrillic. Yeah, <laughs> but it was rectangular, so that that never was a flyer. But um, I did sit down with him. And we discussed this and that, and eventually, in detail, went on to tell me how he ran his gang. Yeah, uh, yeah. where the best place to taser yeah. is. The seven types of taser you can buy legally uh, yeah. on the market in Russia. I mean, you know, oh, 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 who to did, spot? Who looks like a loser? Drag him into the hallway, mug when, him proper. But when you, you did know. get back, Greenpeace were lucky to have you come back to work. <laughs> and you I, clearly exactly, had other uh, career uh, options. Uh, uh, exactly, and I was thinking because it's all a trade-off in prison. Right? <laughs> yeah. I was thinking I'd have nothing to offer you. I have <laughs> yeah. nothing to yeah. offer you. <laughs> 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 my scrabble skills. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, um, so I mean, let's jump back. Obviously, we're going to get a lot more into your time in there, but let's again go back to how the feeling was over here. And again, um, I remember at the time just and, and, and knowing people in Greenpeace and how how dark a time that was for yeah. everyone over here of the uncertainty and and confusion. And then one of the things I'd imagine quite strange that they're having to essentially try to align with someone you normally uh, at war with essentially mm. in the British government and in, 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 in mm. trying to get yeah. international support to go right this isn't acceptable so what was the kind of the process there yeah well I mean you know I'm sure there are pretty grim times for Frank and everyone else but I remember they were, they were like you know the, just the worst days for us yeah. it was just awful you know you, they were sort of beyond you know our ability to get to them essentially so and again it's that weird thing of it's, it's why I'm started with the excitement of, of planning an action because there is going to be a level yeah. of excitement and there's never that I'd imagine there's always a consideration that something might go wrong but yeah. never really solidly well, that thing of this could go this I mean we had we had um, or we, things could get this bad but, but, because again it's not necessarily a case of the, the, the action w- went wrong the reaction was, was not what was that's expected. right yeah and it was you know we, we had a, a response plan in place for yeah. like the first I think it was like week in case something like this happened and you know we knew that there were were legal risks yeah. as, you know associated with doing this um, so there was you know there was a, a a team sort of ready to respond if you like so we had people up in Murmansk we were getting uh, lawyers sorted out which mm-hmm. was you know no small task up yeah. in, in you know the Arctic um, so that, yeah. that took a long time but then it was really the sense of building um, a sort of a, a, a team to actually work on this you know as, yeah. as you know day and night so that's when really Stewie who, who you've spoken to yeah. uh, myself and Mads who was the, the boss of Greenpeace in, in uh, the Nordic countries 
were basically tasked with pulling together, you know, the plan to get them as much as we could to get them out. So that was really when we were working, you know, with our legal teams to try and, you know, get at least some sort of legal defence. Um, this idea of, of approaching the, the Dutch government about the illegal seizure of the ship. Mm-hmm. Um, and then starting to think about how we actually, you know, campaign, you know, do what Greenpeace does. Again, to get a, a huge public uproar exactly. over, over and this kind of thing. And it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's such a unique and tough situation because, again, the, the thing... One of the things I got from talking to, to Ben Stewart was that, in general, you'll, you'll, you'll plan these actions and go, right, am I morally okay with mm. getting arrested for this? Yeah. Can I say, if I end up in prison, I say, I'm happy to be here because of my beliefs yeah. and in this situation. But that's not really what happened because you didn't end... Or <laughs> the, Frank and, 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 and the 30 didn't end up in prison for protest. For, yeah. They ended up in prison, in Russian prison for piracy, which... Isn't something you could have taken into account of, and the, does it mean this much? Or, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Which I'm sure it's still, you know, there's still, it's a different consideration there to, oh, very much to so. what and actually you're then faced with. Yeah, and I mean, like I said, we, you knew, we knew that it was a potential risk, but not mm. one that we ever really thought was going to, you know, see the light of day. But yeah. I remember, you know, we, we were all shocked by the idea of, you know, as you would be, of, you know, people like Frank spending 10 years behind bars for something like this. Yeah. Um, and in a, in a funny kind of way, that, that that helped us because it was really then when people around the world started just to realise what a complete joke this whole thing was yeah. and that this was, you know, it wasn't, it's not justice or anything like that. You know, we had, I remember sitting down with some of our lawyers and then talking us through the Russian penal, penal code mm-hmm. and it was, you know, even, a, you know, a, an idiot like me could see that it was not, there was absolutely no way on God's clean earth that what they yeah. did in the Arctic Sunrise was piracy under any... Um, way of looking at, at Russian law, but, the f- um, but then I guess so, so that really helped, and that really started. That was when the momentum started building up. We, you know, we the sort of almost like the Greenpeace machine kicked into gear around the world. Yeah, um, and it, that you know at the same time we were reaching out to the families of the thirty, you know, trying to give them information, working with you know the Foreign Office here in the UK to try and get um, them working, you know, through the consular in in St Petersburg. But the funny thing was is that. W- but like the nuts and bolts of campaigning really are about understanding the levers of, mm-hmm. of power and how you pull them to get the end result that, that you're off, you know, sure. be it like illegal logging or whatever. Yeah. With Russia, those levers, we didn't even know if those levers existed because it was so murky. You know, the, the, yeah. the corridors of power in the Kremlin were unknown to, to pretty much everyone. Yeah, completely. We, had, we were kind of almost second you know not I wouldn't say sort of you know making up as we go along but it was very difficult we you know we didn't want to do something that would um, get you know make Putin so angry that there would be no hope of ever getting them out but then we still needed to have a voice and to be pressure on them the scary part on both sides I'd imagine that that feeling of right we know what the logical actions are and what we can do how this isn't legal in this but the fact that everything that that happened so far hadn't been within the legal boundaries kind of and again, I remember speaking to people at the time going, right, well, really, they, they're not allowed to have done this. And by the law, we can sort this out and get this turned around. Mm. But then at the back of your head, and, and particularly for you guys, Frank, in there, at the back of your head, there must be a lot of points to be thinking, none of this has gone to the way it should be or should be legally carried out or, or action. Mm. So, so how was that kind of inside there and, and having to come to terms as, as a week went by, as two weeks I went by as three weeks went by that 
of, of I don't know of, I guess of what the potential future held there yeah it was compounded by the total isolation yeah and so you were left alone with your darkest thoughts yeah of course. and you would then pull yourself up by your bootstrings mm. and uh, convince yourself that it just can't happen like this it's just yeah. ridiculous what we did was nothing and um, the entire world can see this as a fixed court yeah. and we will not win a case and we will be found guilty but surely they won't take us that far and then the next day you know you could be down again yeah um, and again, I think it's, people it's so easy to speak of that of uh, with that logic and, and straightforwardness yeah, but then the as time, you said yeah. when you're isolated yeah, in there it's heavy doesn't mean a thing, I'm sure. And it affected uh, all of us in different ways. But I, I think the common thread was the isolation, yeah. the inability to talk to anybody apart from your Russian lawyer. Right, yeah. Uh, uh, so, so were there no instances where you could talk to other... You, you, we had I mean, one than, hour yeah. out of the cell every right. day. The cell was two metres wide by five metres long. Wow. The exercise cell was not a yard. And when we arrived in the prison... We got taken through this dishevelled, crap yard with a sort of a broken basketball net. Yeah. And I thought, oh, at least we'll be out here yeah. in the day and we can talk, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the realisation that wasn't going to happen was crushing for me. Yeah. And eventually, I was the first morning I was asked, goulette, which is the exercise, and it was just into another cell, a bit right. bigger, half open to the elements, and uh, just a concrete pig pen. I mean, I have actually seen pig pens more comfortable yeah. than that yeah and the thing though was that there was no ceiling as it were so you could shout over the walls right and if you were lucky enough to be penned in next to one of the other arctic 30 yeah then you had this mad gabbling uh before the guard walked over you again because there was a gantry above and they'd, they'd walk down smacking the nightsticks yeah 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 uh, all from um, a film right? yeah exactly yeah uh, you were in it proper. Yeah. Um, and so you had to shut up, you know, as he came across, and then you'd start up again. Yeah. And you desperately tried to get uh, any info you could, and the rumours were rifling around that place. Again, I Quite mean, often, if, if all of you are so isolated anyway, there's probably not a lot of information yeah, you can get f- from each other, sadly. And it's sadly. awful. You'd end up, and you'd go, oh, God, I hope it's not... Oh, it is, I'm right next to that... Idiot! <laughs> Another member of the crew. I just don't want to be next to him. I want it's to not put that one. Yeah. And it was, um, you know, everybody felt that. You know, I'm sure yeah. with me, I don't want to be in it. Frank caused it all. I don't want to talk to him. Yeah. Uh, and in one awful day, um, I'd just come from court, and so uh, been found guilty, and you yeah. know, off for two months or the reconfirmation of two months minimum. And I said to Roman Dolgov, who is the uh, Russian campaigner on board. I said, "Hey, I saw quite a few Greenpeace people at the court." He goes, "Yes." I said, "You know what?" And they were smiling. And you know, that's that's a good sign. He goes, "Yes, this is because they do not know how far in the shit we are." <laughs> and I went, "Oh no!" Man, you've ruined that. <laughs> you could have given me a nightmare. Why did you tell me that? You know. <laughs> And so, you know, I literally went back and my shoulders almost on the ground. Yeah. So I guess there must have been an element of starting to kind of try and just come to grips yes. with a, a, a prison life. And again, in it was in the intro of the of, of, of Ben's book, it talks about the, the 
the ropes out the window yes. for passing messages and then the wonderful U-Ben telephone. So can, can you kind of tell <laughs> some of that? Um, yeah, those intricacies uh, of Russian uh, prison. Doroga, the road, is a story in itself. Yeah. But in a sense, you connect each and every cell with homemade strength. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, that's the thing about prison life. You do actually learn a lot. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I now know how to make a proper rope out of two bread bags. <laughs> yeah, wow. Out of polyethylene and having to string them together and make them into rope. Amazing. And, uh, of course, every time you go for a shower and you get one banya bath shower every yeah. week, right? But they week. check the width of your sheets. And I thought they were, I was holding them up because, it's, you know, you've got to make sure you wash those. You yeah. Know? But they're checking the width to make because sure of what you're doing is you're stripping bits off the sheet to make rope out. To make so if you, don't, if you can do it with plastic, they don't know that you've made rope and there's all these many different little wow. things. Um, but um, I forgot where I was. With that yeah, no, no. Again, I mean, at the, 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 at the moment, again, you're coming to turn or not trying not to come to terms I'd imagine still hoping no, that something's going to be you are coming to terms yeah. and, and it's the daily grind of your absolutely abominable food and the loss of weight but you know I was doing exercises I was ticking off the classic prisoner's monthly yeah. calendar I had that going on I had the calendar I had the diary mm-hmm. um, the diary is an incredibly emotional personal thing and Ben has used some of it in the book. Yeah. That was brilliant. Writing letters to your kids that you know they'll never get yeah. unless you yeah. read it to them, right? Yeah. Uh, and then but, receiving but the mail. Of getting that out there and putting it down on paper and not just having it yeah, bouncing and, around as, as loose thoughts in your head. Absolutely. And once I started down that road, and I, I, I'd like to think my innate humour you know, came to the surface and I yeah. did indeed write a letter to my friend who's the editor of The Independent on Sunday. Yeah. And it was a fairly light-hearted uh, sort of TripAdvisor yeah. <laughs> uh, account of staying yeah. in Murmansk. Amazing. Uh, sadly, she published it. Uh, not sadly for the Greenpeace, but sadly for me, because I think my uh, dyslexia was shown to the whole world. Exposed. spell hardly anything correctly. Um, yeah. And uh, I wrote another letter to my friends uh, about this Russian table tennis um, Yeah. Crash course I've been sent on. Right, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I did make light of it as yeah. much as I could. We all did. And, and uh, certainly with the road, the Doroga Anthony, uh, who um, was uh, a key part in keeping my spirits up, yeah. he actually started a daily paper called the Gulag Chronicle. Right. And he would spend four to five hours drawing it and editing it. Amazing. And he had to put it into a tiny piece of paper, and then was a circular. Yeah. And he managed to tell his Russian prisoners, and a circular has a different designation on the envelope that's inside the sock that's attached to the string that right. does the entire prison, right? Right. So eventually you'd get his newspaper. <laughs> yeah. And it, it was with real uh, sunken heart that uh, I got taken out of my cell and put on the other side of the wing, and there was only one connection to one cell. Oh, wow. So I was suddenly removed from the, the road. Removed that, from that, that chain. Because yeah. that was all the news. Yeah. And that's where all the rumours came. And now I was only talking to the chief engineer 
Yeah. And we wrote to each other every night just to keep our spirits up. Yeah, of course. Sadly, he was a fitness fanatic and he kept sending me diagrams of the next exercise you must do. Amazing. You know, have you seen me? I've got yeah. no muscle. I just want to play Scrabble. Jesus. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. Scrabble board. Um, so can you also explain the first time you got called over to the, the toilet to, to take um, a, con- a, a phone a kind of conversation with oh, was yeah. it the mafia essentially the yeah so so how did that all so come what, about what and was happening is prison life is all about control and it's yes. uh, only controllable if you know who everybody is yeah. so when new prisoners come in you are bound uh, forget the official process but yeah. the unofficial prisoner hierarchy you've got to give your date of birth yeah the crime mm-hmm. and your name yeah. And um, it turns out that two prisoners had come in, Russian prisoners, who refused to right. get that information across. Yeah. Immediately, there's a huge amount of suspicion on them. Yeah. And they were in the cell opposite me with Frankie Pisano, the French guy. Yeah. And Roman Dolgov, who I've mentioned, he was in the cell with the prison bosses, with the mafia yeah. bosses. And they were saying, we've got to find out who these guys are. So... Anyway, I eventually got sort of shaken awake and I said, you must go. And managed to rip the U-bend off. Right. And uh, he hands it to me and I'm sort of looking at this absolutely reeking stink. Yeah. Last thing you want to do is like look down it or talk down it. Oh, and eventually he went into my ear and I said, I can fuck me. That's it, Roman? Yes, this is Roman. I got Roman how Earth, did you fit down there? <laughs> and um, so uh, he proceeds to tell me that the, the Russian prisoner bosses needed to know. And yeah. so I had to hang up the phone. I'll put you on hold. <laughs> uh, and I shouted across to Frankie to get the names of these two prisoners. Yeah. And, it, and, and you know, this was shouted and the whole corridor could hear it. And uh, he eventually shouted back saying they won't tell me. Yeah. And so there's quite a lot of pressure on me and him to get the names. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and they were not happy that we could not get the names. Yeah. But we tried. Again, that's a tough thing, I guess. It's, it's, you, yeah. it's they there, those yeah. links. Who were those guys? You know, maybe law enforcement. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, and if you're, you know, you're it a seems dead like, man in a it Russian seems prison. It's ridiculous that you wouldn't just lie, right? <laughs> that you wouldn't just go, it's yeah, I mean, on. Yeah, I <laughs> the influence that these guys had was quite yeah, important. Need to, yeah. And interestingly, when we arrived, a circular went round yeah. from the prison bosses, and it's in the book, and it's written in this amazing archaic language, yeah. which is half sort of hip. And half czarist. Yeah. It, it really is strange yeah, yeah. language that they use in prison. Um, the, the, the top of the morning to you, comrades. It's yeah, nice. yeah, brilliant. Uh, and then it goes on to saying, um, we will have some visitors. Uh, these Greenpeace visitors are your guests. You will be treating them oh, wow. with respect. Um, and anybody who does not treat them with respect will be brought in front of the trial of the... <laughs> yeah. This isn't the prison governor, this is yeah, the prisoner. Is, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's, that's amazing. So we were lucky in as much as we were considered... Um, uh, there's a term for it. The, the just, I think it's called, as in you're in prison simply because you've been treated and you've been fucked over by the prison. Like, you yeah. haven't committed mm. a crime and deserve to be in there. 
Uh, yeah. You, you, uh, um, honourable is the word. Yeah. So, so what were your interactions with the, I mean, all we've talked about is the, the people in the prison. What were the interactions with the, uh, with the governors and with, um, again, Ben was saying about accusations thrown by the governor and talking about the psychiatrist being out of a, yeah. a horror film kind of thing. So, 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 so what were your interactions with the system as such rather than those Quite a few. within it? I think maybe Dina, myself and Pete were targeted more because they right. worked out quite clearly that we were sort of the ringleaders. Yeah. And I, part of my darkest moments when I convinced myself that everybody was going to get released apart from us three. Right. And, and rightly, and part of me was relieved because I did feel an awful lot of responsibility. Sure. So did Pete and Dina. Sure. Um, you know, we had a, a Camilla Speciale, it was a 21 year old girl from Buenos Aires, you know. Mm. I mean, I felt guilty about her spending 10 years yeah. Yeah, in jail, of right? Um, so I think we were dragged out and trumped up in front of the prison governor more than most. Right. Uh, and he was a nasty piece of work. Yeah. Um, who went out of his way to upset you. And of course, it's a funny thing. For me, was that the Independent, of course, is owned by the Lebedevs. Right. And that paper gets published in Russian. Oh, wow. I found out to my <laughs> horror. Yeah. Because I'm suddenly dragged in front of the governor. Yeah. And he swings his laptop round and there's this big article. And I go, oh, my God. <laughs> Inside me, I suddenly realise what's happened. That's and I went, insane. no, no, this, this is not true. <laughs> And he's going, what do you mean it's not true? It's got your name on it, your cell number, and your story. I was going, no, 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 no. And anyway, you can't believe anything you read on the internet. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I thought, oh, my God. And he was livid with me. He was yeah. furious with me. And uh, I just sort of fronted it out. But then when I went back to the cell, I put my hand in my head, head in my hands and thought, oh, oh this hasn't, yeah. This isn't going well. And, and Dima indeed was um, put in mm. solitary, which is not oh, the place oh, to be. No. I mean, the cells themselves were awful. Yeah. But solitary was a different kettle of fish. Yeah. Um, you know, you couldn't lie down. They folded oh, really? up your piece of wood for 18 hours. You had it flat for six. When it's up, it's, you can't lie down. It's not big enough. There's right. no wind. It's just utter shit. It's unimaginable, yeah. yeah. So, so, again... So back in the UK at this point, mm. it's getting it's going on longer and longer, um, which is probably at points or could start to feel more um, doomed. Essentially, if not for the fact that you're starting to get the support of literally millions of people all coming together and campaigning and saying that, that this isn't acceptable. So, how important was that to keep? driving you all on obviously the drive alone of your colleagues being in this yeah. situation but you know when things just keep seeming to hit wall after wall it must have been tough if not for the support of the of the public oh and that was you know that was the thing that was was like the, the shining light at that stage was that we had such over overwhelming support i mean from every office in the greenpeace world dropped everything and yeah you know, this was every all, all hands at the pump but then publicly i mean it's such it struck such a chord and you know we had um, thousands and thousands of people out on the streets we went, I remember going down to the Russian embassy with, with hundreds of people um, yeah. down in Notting Hill uh, and that was happening all over the world and um, so there was a real sense that you know we weren't letting publicly we weren't letting this this one go and they weren't yeah. being forgotten and 
I mean, so that was that was great, and it was it was you know it's one of those moments where it felt great to be part of something like like a truly global movement that was that had, yeah, had jumped up. And but at the same time, it was quite you know you, you did realise that you were we were really up against this. So I remember times like. Um, we had an office in Murmansk where, you know, our team was based, where we'd sort of try and liaise with the lawyers and, um, you know, making sure that we were getting food and supplies into the, to, to the 30 inside. And that there was there was one night where that was, um, did they try and break into it? Or, the, you know, they sort of stole the, like these mysterious sort of hooded men, like in the middle of the night came and like tried to smash it up and was stealing stuff. Yeah. You know, they were caught on. And they tried to, the, you know, nicking thing. It was, it was just like very obviously, like you know, to put yeah. the frighteners on us. And then, you know, there'd be those moments where you'd see, you'd be able to watch the court TV when when they were coming in to, you know, just to sit through these completely ludicrous uh, court court sessions. And we'd, be, you know, you'd be like just basically mesmerised by the TV, yeah. you know, not not knowing if there was anything you could do and being feeling pretty certain that whatever happens, it wasn't going to be pretty, but. I remember that they were interspersed with this, there were these moments, like bizarre moments of comedy. So there was, I can't remember who it was, was waiting for their, their hearing. And um, I don't know if it was a court translator or some court functionary. And this woman was the spitting image of Harry Potter. And it was all the way <laughs> And it was it was uncanny how and so we were just like, oh my God, how did they add it? Yes, it's, it's the whole book's express. I like that because it's, I mean it's always said that um, in 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 emergency rooms and ERs and, th- and things like that that their their humour is so high and so yeah. cutting because it's a, a coping mechanism yeah. that you need to Definitely. to find these moments yeah. of how ridiculous is that and you know that's got to be coming in there that it's a, it's a relief humor, yeah yeah, yeah. Really gallows humour completely it's a relief when someone looks like Harry yeah, Potter and it's yeah. like and it was, it brilliant was, this, is, this is the moment and you know we, we were getting to the stage where you know this was our you know our 24-7 was, was all that we did you know yeah. we were in the we had a a room uh, like sort of blocked out downstairs a VC room the, the people in the office were quite weirdly um, deferential about not crossing the sort of the, the threshold into this room because they felt that like we were so busy that you know yeah. no one could come in yeah. and sort of say hello and ask how we're doing um, but that was really when you know it was it, we, I, I felt like we started hitting our straps and then yeah. we started then to realise how you know the le- what legal case we needed to run um, you know the, the, the kind of things that we could do on the campaign front. So I remember we had, you know, there were these great, like, protests um, popping up all around the world. Um, but then also we, we had this idea of, of how do we bring Gazprom, you know, the company that mm-hmm. owned the platform, back into the story. And the Gazprom sponsor a lot of the, well, they sponsored the UEFA Champions League. Yeah. Uh, so there were lots of football matches going on at that time. So um, we had offices, like, doing these great banner hangs at... Um, at Champions League games, you know, all over. And so that yeah. was just to bring, and it just to really rub Gazprom's nose yeah. in a way that we felt was something that Greenpeace could do, but it wasn't going to, you know, push Putin over the edge the other way. So again, yeah, it was trying exactly. to it's, find it's, that it's balance. Continuing, it's not, it's, it's, it's making sure everything that everyone's going through is worthwhile. Yes, you know, it's yeah, continuing yeah. that campaign yeah. in that way, but not going to make it worse well, or exactly. detrimental to and their, then, I remember their situation. Because again, the worst thing would be to, it all only become about the fact that these guys are in prison yeah. and not about why they were there and what the reason was. That was, a re- that was a real challenge, actually, because obviously it's, it's such a compelling yeah. compelling human story. Yeah. And that's really, you know, you know, that people want to know about. And I think, by and large, that was one of the reasons that people um, got behind it, because, you know, the, yeah. we had yes. such a story to can, tell. Uh, can I ask, 
Oh, when you were in there, Frank, yeah. did you hear about how much support was being drummed up? And quite bluntly, did that actually make any difference? Because I can imagine, again, on this side, it's like, look at all this support, whereas you're sitting in a cell on your own going, well, that's wonderful news, but I'm still was, sitting here in a cell on my own, you know? Uh, the news coming in from the outside, from GP, was understandably muted. Yeah. Uh, there was nothing to suggest the size of the campaign. Or right. We are working very hard to get you out, yeah. you know, and nuanced. Those yeah. of us are new, we could understand. But don't forget, the news you got was Russian. Yeah. And you couldn't understand it. So yeah, you had to look, look at your cellmates every time the Greenpeace thing came up. Yeah. And if you see them going... Oh, <laughs> trying to see my gosh, that didn't look good. Yeah. So, you know, it's pretty horrible, yeah. actually. Yeah. Um, and everything you and, did see was, and, was doom and gloom. And the news over there as well being so I mean, b- b- biased and fake. Bad. And mm. again, hearing of documentaries done by, by I think it was by Gazprom or mm. by a channel yeah. that owned yeah. them that were completely skewing. I mean, uh, you know, interesting the, the stuff that on. came out about the um, um, the poppy straws. Yeah, that's right. So, that's you right. know, on board yeah. every Dutch commercial ship, you have to have a well-stocked medical cabinet, right? Yeah. And if someone is in serious, serious pain, you have to be able to administer the correct kind of yeah. drugs. And, uh, and so we had those drugs on board. Of course, the Russians immediately seized upon that as heroin. And they spun it quite cleverly. Mm. And these guys had an absolute nightmare about it. But inside, you heard that. We all went, oh, yeah, that's just the bloody opium, of course. Mm. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, not the opium, the... Um, Poppy. The, the, uh, um, the medical uh, form of opium. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, so we dismissed it as rubbish immediately. Yeah. Because we were not privy to just how mm. big it could have gone. Because wow. that's sort of difference. Didn't bother me at all because I knew it was utter bollocks. But the yeah. outside, it might not have yeah, been so, so at points, that. So but a, the lack of information is a, a blessing in many ways because yeah, you're not getting the intricacies of, 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 of it at points. So, yeah. so what was the the turning point? Where what was the breakthrough? And and who kind of who found out first? Essentially, was it? Did you know that? Right, here's what here's the change that's happening. Or I, I think the thing for me was, I mean, there was an, an awful lot of work that was going on behind the scenes with our a lot with our German office, mm-hmm. who've got very good contacts with uh, Angela Merkel, who is has a, a good relationship with Putin. So there was a lot of stuff, you know, like the 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 Foreign Office did great work, you know, through the embassy, ensuring that you know that the, the yeah. people were looked after. But ultimately, the Russians didn't care what no, what no. the UK thought. Yeah. So. Um, there was a lot of work with 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 uh, Germany, but again, you'd hear one thing and then you'd be told completely something completely opposite yeah. ten minutes later. So very very difficult to get a clear sense of what was happening. But I remember yeah, the past masters at that. Yeah, the oh, it's, oh, it was, yeah. it's just it's just like this sort of nebulous mass that you just cannot sort of pick your yeah. way through. But I remember that the thing for us is when the the charges. I, I remember Sue and I were in Copenhagen at the time, working there for a couple of weeks. Um, and one night, and we were just about to go home. Actually, it was. I think it's like 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, um, that came through that the, the piracy charges had been dropped and there was, wow. was going to go down to uh, down to hooliganism. Right. And so that, for a moment, felt like, okay, that was something that we can bank and, you know, it's it's not going to be 10 years. It's not mm-hmm. going to be this, you know, we don't quite know how long they'll be there for, but that, that was the first chink of light that we thought, yeah. hold on, you know, we've got something that we can we can really hold on to here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. So, so and, But equally... Uh, when we were informed at the same time, mm-hmm. like we thought, ah, oh, well, I thought, 
oh shit, there's no way they were going to make piracy stick, but hooliganism. Right, yes. Pussy Riot, we've already done two years mm. for that. Yeah. And it was the sentence between two and seven. That's I right. Think, yeah. And I'm thinking, uh oh, that was awful news. Again, the Because now they had actually, yeah. read, they, they're targeting. That's what we could get them for. Yeah. yeah. And also, it's actually quite offensive being charged with hooliganism. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. don't mind piracy. <laughs> yeah. Romantic about yeah. that. But there's oh, elegance to piracy, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. I mean, how did it all all, all, all all come to an end, and 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 how abrupt was it that you were suddenly right? Shit, we're 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 being sent back the, to, to so the we, UK. So we were transferred from Murmansk by prison train mm-hmm. to um, Saint Petersburg, and of course, all of the guys in Murmansk, individual Russian cellmates, were going, "Cresty, yeah, not good." And right. you know, they weren't messing about. You know, yeah. They, yeah, yeah, they meant yeah. what they said. Yeah. Um, so there was a certain amount of trepidation there. And also the prison train, you know, you can get lost on that train. And right. it can take 36 hours. Wow. Easily. Mm. Just gets put into a siding and kept there. Because they just piggyback on any, any other train heading right. towards St. Petersburg. Right, wow, yeah. Uh, so that was quite a lot. That did actually go for 36 hours. Yeah. Um, That's crazy. So that was the beginning of all of us really, really hoped. And that's right. Sadly, a few of us thought we weren't going to go to Christie and actually we were just going to get led straight out. Right. And when they weren't, that was a low point. Uh, there was quite a few accusations flying around amongst us. Right. Um, there's a lot of uh, anxiety. Yeah. And, and, and Again, and, and, the repeated kind of false hopes the repeat yeah, oh this yeah, might happen oh no this is happening trying yeah. to sort of work out why and, and and people naturally needing something or someone to blame you mm. know and it, it got a little bit ugly yeah um and uh, some of us and the question was okay and some of us it was yeah. shit you know yeah. I, I there was no road in Cresty. So a lot of this rumour about you're going to trial and the rest of it you couldn't pick up on it because you weren't being able to communicate. Right. And indeed the Goulette in my case, I mean, you know, I was walking past cells that Rasputin was kept in. Right. Yeah. 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 Trotsky had been through there. Yeah. Uh, Sultan Nelson had been through there. You are walking in history. Yeah. Uh, people died on a regular basis. I was going to say, not the, 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 the nicest history. They, they were kept there. like eight to a cell. Yeah. With, you know, sometimes they had to share, but, you know, it was a grim place. Yeah. Um, and there was no one to talk to and I, I, I hear myself shouting out sunrise you know and getting absolutely no one coming back to me right yeah and it was it was pretty awful yeah so wow. a, a, essentially a third point of initially on the boat of feeling we're, we're 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 locked in here for five days this is bad and then yeah, getting right, worse yeah. and then again and, and, taking and another it, step it of really going right, it's even worse now from the from the train journey to to Christie, basically there was six days that we hadn't seen anybody yeah and the first person that I saw in Cresty was the British consul yeah. and I put a request in for private eye yeah <laughs> I went oh here's your private eye and I was oh thanks and then he gave me a book about the Premier League and I was like oh not so thanks yeah. uh, <laughs> and then he said uh, and, and how's it going and I said oh it's, it's alright you know it's alright it was okay I don't mind it it's good it's good I'm feeling good and he goes right because the problem is is that the investigative committee have uh, requested that you're all held for another three months and what they request they get yeah 
And that was a very low moment. Yeah. Whoever was told that, uh, yeah, that was crushing. Two people immediately went on hunger strike. Right. Um, I found that one of the hardest moments. Yeah. I thought I could do two months. I thought I'd just done two months. And I, you know, I just really stopped and looked inside me and thought, yeah, I can do three months, but I'm not going to be quite the same, I think, yeah. when I come out yeah. of those three months. Yeah. And uh, it was the moment where they could see I was slightly adrift. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I had to keep it together because I felt responsibility for yeah. not yeah. if I cracked and I'd asked everybody to come with me right yeah exactly <laughs> it know, gives everyone extremely, the authority yeah. to fall apart essentially which and it was that was a really heavy moment um, yeah and then the, the consul said look maybe this is time for the apology yeah and I said oh what do you mean he said well we could you know write a full and frank uh, letter to to Mr Putin saying that you got it wrong that uh, all your ideas are wrong that you shouldn't have done this it's an affront to the public and I was thinking yeah right yeah an apology yeah yeah you know and I suddenly started realising that I was going to miss my wife's 50th right my daughter's 18th my son's 14th my mum's 90th yeah you know all these things that I said I would definitely be there for and I started feeling like I'd fucked up massively yeah of course you know I felt really that I'd blown it yeah, and so this idea of apology, and I sort of latched onto it, and I just suddenly thought, I you can't apologise. Mm. You know, I don't apologise for doing that. I don't apologise for taking action against the Russian state for yeah. marching into the Arctic and threatening the entire climate. I, there, there is no apology. I just couldn't fucking do it. And because of that, you know, deep inside me, I knew I couldn't do that apology. Yeah. That it gave me that little bit of backbone just at the right moment. Yeah. Just at the right moment. And I sort of got through it. And the next day I was told that we're going to trial. And the next day. And it was wow. not looking so bad. Right. And I'm so glad I didn't crack. That's at that one amazing point. In, in, yeah. in, in that moment, in, in that situation, as you said, with all those things going through your head to go, no, again, the essence of what you do at Green Peace. Before yeah, you set off on these missions, the right is to say, to I believe in yeah. this. So I can sit in court and say, I believe in this, yeah. therefore I will take yeah. the punishment. So despite everything going through there, it's amazing that that could still just about hold yeah. through in your row. Absolutely. And, and the only, I mean, the only letter yeah. Putin got was from Paul McCarthy. <laughs> yeah, there you go. He didn't get an apology from us. <laughs> no. Um, That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Just um, a nice letter. Yeah. It turns from out, and that fact, as Ben Stewart found out later, that because he went to see a few people and that fact like you don't write your apology they yeah. write your apology and you sign you it you sign it yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. it's a bit of different right? yeah I mean um. I've seen the tone of your writing in the independent mm. already so I'm sure they wouldn't, they wouldn't have, <laughs> yeah. have been are willing to give you free writing <laughs> in your so you then you, you are then told you're going to trial and it's, mm. it's looking are better so you know yeah. number one that must be a big uplift and then number two how did that how did that go and how did that well I mean oddly I think, I think we're all glued to the telly screens mm. at that stage yeah. um, 
a part of mine didn't have an aerial, so it only worked if my fellow prisoner put his finger into the back of it. Oh, wow. Which is fine, apart from Don't move, don't move! But, uh, of course, uh, he couldn't speak English, I couldn't speak Russian, and um, he was trying to explain what was happening in the court. Right. Right, which was just torture for Mm, me. Because all I could see is people looking really grim and thinking, that's three months or more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And at that stage, I I wrote two or three times saying, let's fucking go for the trial. Let's just have it out now. Yeah. Let's just bring the trial forward and go for it. Because we will lose... But we will mm. win morally, yeah. and then yeah, maybe yeah, yeah, that, that some kind of release date will be given. To yeah. Us, but, yeah. Um, so rather than it being a continual delay, yeah, bring and, it on mystery, rather than yeah. nonsense but that you're no. trying to receive. But from the outside, I think it was equally torturous, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of felt like you know, when's it going to end? Because they, the, you know, the, the 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 rules of the game kept like they were they were changing, yeah. you know, all the time, and it. it You'd hear rumours about, you know, a presidential pardon one day and then it was actually like, no, 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 they're going to go to trial, she's going to carry on. And, yeah. and, you know, obviously it was a million times worse for Frank and everyone inside, but there were moments like that when you'd been at this, you know, for like two two months mm. and it's like, Jesus, you know, when is this, when yeah. is it going to end? Where? And it's that sort of sense of um, powerlessness because, you know, you've, you've tried everything. You've thrown, you know, your heart and soul at it for two months and... Is that going to be enough? Is it going to do the yeah. trick? So, yeah, that was the... It was... It, they felt... Being in St. Petersburg, funnily enough, they felt closer to us, right. but still so far removed from, yeah. you know, mm. anything that we could do. So there mm. were those moments. And then, then you know, when eventually we started getting the, you know, the pardons coming through, um, I, again, we were in uh, Copenhagen again and, and watching it on the, the live stream from the court, and you get these, like, wonderful photos. I've, I remember... Um, I got a photo of um, Ana Paula from Brazil who was in her, this, you know, horrible little sort of box cell in the courtroom. Mm. And she, the courtroom was, uh, you know, and th- these are courts where we'd seen people come in, uh, the, the, the Russians bring in the wrong person, read out the wrong uh, charges, oh, no. and then the judge would say, that it'd be pointed out that the wrong person, yeah. or the person actually wasn't even in the court. And the judge would be like, oh, well, I've, they're guilty anyway, so, you know, they don't need to be here. So they, we, we were quite worried about, you know, the, yeah, the fairness <laughs> and, uh, of the court system. But seeing when Anna Power realised that she was going to get a pardon and yeah. it had been translated from it, there was this sort of a wonderful moment where she just had this beaming smile. And that was when I think we thought, Do you know what, I think we... And it started, it was like a couple of people have got the pardons and they're going to be out. And we were like, just this, this sense of like relief was yeah. indescribable and, and again then, I can imagine it's such a bizarre thing because it's you're, you're, it's so much is coming through translation as well mm-hmm. and not knowing what's going on I'd imagine on, on your side you'd be pleased to not know or not know too much immediately because as well, you said as you previously thought potentially three of you could yes, be doing this and, and the rest so, so you know when they're starting to come through it's probably Positive, but with a, an element. Well, of, of course, well, the, f- the first uh, decision was negative. Right, was mm. he was refused bail. Right, that was Colin, was Colin Russell. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and still, you know, he's the longest serving. It's Colin, it's Colin not popular. That got a big laugh. Well, I mean, no, no, he's a lovely <laughs> guy. He's, he's, guy. Yeah, he's a cracking fella. <laughs> yeah, he is. But um, it turns out that it was a clerical cock-up, and they, oh, wow. they've written the wrong thing. So we they, were like, they hadn't been faxed 
the innocent uh, or the yes. given, yes. isn't yeah. it? It, it guilty. Was. Yeah. Oh, no, sorry, sorry. It's not, not guilty. It I mean, so we, were, we were like, it was like Christmas of what, what has Colin, has he been up to, you know, has he been up to something? He's now masterminding the prison. So we had to, again, we had to like do this little turnaround of like a free Colin, like mini campaign where we had like, you know, the Australian office was sort of up in arms and, you know, the... Lots start of, this campaign and then they're like oh no he is free yeah just went it, down I mean, he did another whole week on yeah, top he did so it was because of that clerical yeah. error because yeah. then they could sort yeah. it out and people would and, and I you know I, I thought people were getting released but um, I didn't know it I, yeah. I, I, I didn't know it so yet again every morning I'd go out and I'd shout and I'd get no feedback yeah. I was going fuck am I on my own in here or what yeah. have they all been released um, you know but that I remember the moment where I think it was Dennis and Andre were the first two people out mm. and um, I think it was Dennis who came out and he, his, his, his partner was there and um, he sort of didn't see her at first and he sort of he came out and he had this sort of like bright beaming face face on him and the first thing you do was sort of scrabbling around to find his partner you know sort of give yeah. him a hug and then they were whisked away in their, in their cars and it was just then seeing I remember when Frank came out you know sort of very very uh, discreet entry back into public life. <laughs> you know, huge V-side. Like Winston Churchill what, is alive What well. was quite funny was the court, <laughs> the court case. Um, I, I was dragged up and they do these awful things here where they, they transport you in the paddy wagon and then they take you into the cell and, and you're getting processed and then your name is called up and they cuff you behind the back. Right. And they walk you down the corridor and as you come round into the media throng, they grab you between the hands and they lift you up like that and they're basically twisting your shoulders. Right, so you immediately yeah. push back, right? Yeah. So the first thing that's seen is you fighting. Yeah. Right? And they do that just, yeah. just, to, just, just to make, make you yeah. look guilty. Yeah, 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 yeah. They put you in a cage with your right. cuffs just to make you look totally yeah. guilty. It's all about, you know... Subjugation, in a sense. Yeah. Um, anyway, come round. There's absolute massive media from, and in the middle, I see Ben Stewart. He goes, <laughs> Frank, <laughs> and I and, and I said, that was the moment for me. I thought, hang on a minute, this looks like it might be for some reason that like, he just gave me the huge wave of optimism. Which is not so, not so usually. Baby! Like that. You know, <laughs> <laughs> the most homophobic society in the world. And he goes, <laughs> he literally shrinks back. Like, so you're safe in that cage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. And uh, my trial was, uh, was like other people's. Yeah. I, I said my little bit. So. Yeah. And it was funny that I. I, I now, looking back on it, I was so intent on getting my bit across, right? Yeah. And that I went over and over and over again when I was walking in my cell, you know, to say, look, there yeah. were hooligans out there that day, but it yeah. was not us. Yeah. And um, it, was, it was important. Uh, I came back down, I got put into another holding cell, and Housie and John were next up, um, and they were expecting the worst. And I got put into this holding cell and I looked up and there was this huge, well, it was massive, like A4, and it was a print, right? And I was surprised because you get so strip search, right? You get really heavily searched. Yeah. So how this prisoner had got <laughs> this print in there, and it was a column 88 print, right? right. Which is the most far-right, evil, fascist yeah. group 
you know, as yeah, an yeah. 8 8 Adolf Hitler, comma yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought, how the fuck did the person get that in here? You know, and uh, I thought, I looked down and I thought, oh, they've left me the pen that I had to sign. And so I wrote massive <laughs> Nazi scum! <laughs> and I felt so chuffed about it, you know. <laughs> the next person who went in, you know, uh, saw, I mean, you know, I felt like I had my little bit yeah. of the pen. So, so how was it then? I mean, on all sides to then return to get to get released to return back and and and, and then to find out the huge support and campaign that had been going on, kind of that without your awareness, mind blowing. Yeah, that, that really too much. Yeah. Um, but uh, Ben was there, and I, I implicitly trust him, uh, and so he put Anthony and myself up for Newsnight and Radio Five Live yeah. and News at Ten. And we did a lot. Yeah. And the Independence and the Telegraph, yeah. we got straight into the, to the coalface of yeah, yeah. dealing with it. And um, I think, to our credit, um, we presented a, a fairly um, decent show. I mean, yeah. uh, we, we, were, we were not broken. Yeah. We were not broken. We were relatively compassmentous, actually. Yeah. Um, and... Um, Obviously, immediately went straight out and got hammered on vodka. Yeah, of course. Standard. You know, a whole two and a half months of no alcohol at all and no cheese. So we had no enzymes in our stomachs to fight the alcohol. It was a bizarre. (laughs) And actually, it was pretty bad because I had to share a room with Dima Litvinov. Oh, no. No one wants to share a room with Dima Litvinov. And um, someone came back really pissed that night. Yeah, uh, we were pissed, but someone was really pissed, and they just stumbled into our hotel room, right? Yeah. And before we knew it, both Dima and I were out of our beds. We were face against the wall with our hands behind our backs. Yeah. Until we realised we're in a hotel room, it wasn't a garden. Yeah. And that, and we wow. just looked at each other. We didn't even say anything. We looked at each other yeah. and just went, walked back to our beds yeah. and got back under the covers, you know. And and then you. The first few nights, you couldn't sleep. People were having troubles. Yeah, understandable. It was hard. There was a um, therapist there. Yeah. Did you make it back for your wife's 50th, your daughter's 18th, your son's 14th? I I, I, I did. (laughs) Perfect. I I, I was really happy about that. Perfect. So so what was the kind of closing of of, of that part of the campaign kind of process over here? Because obviously the campaign then yeah. has to continue because the Arctic isn't safe and no, no, you know, this continues to be. That's right. I mean, I think the it was quite weird that period because they they weren't allowed out of Russia, so they were free. Weren't allowed out of Saint Petersburg. Yes, they right. were. They were sort of um, kept in you know in the hotel in Saint Petersburg right. over Christmas. Um, mm. And I I wanted to go out there, you know, to sort of be with them, but. Um, We've been advised that because I was involved in all the planning of it, the actual activity, right? And maybe at like, risk of yeah, I wouldn't, the wouldn't, country. and I was getting married uh, the m- next month, so my wife yeah. was like, "You're not going out yeah. to rush." So, like, sort of watching that unfold was um, at arm's yeah. length. Was was you know obviously very glad. I was going to try and make a joke of, about <laughs> Russian prisons there but, <laughs> okay. and marriage, but no, you know, no, it's, no, 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 it's far worse. <laughs> <laughs> but then, so then it was you know they came. I mean, they came back just uh, before New Year, wasn't it? At, at um, King's Cross, so they came back on the Eurostar, mm, and that wow. was a huge media scrum. But then, really, that I mean, that the, the thing I think it, the Arctic Thirty gave, and we got. I remember getting questions about this. You know, is from people like the BBC were like, is this campaign about the Arctic or about the Arctic 30? And I was like, well, the, the true, the two are 
you know, inex- inextricably linked. Yeah, and yeah, they were there to, to save the Arctic. That's not done yet. You know, there's no amnesty for the Arctic, yeah. unfortunately. So the camp, it was all, you know, the, we then got thinking, how do we use, you know, the experience that we've been through and the, the profile that the Arctic 30 had yeah. to further, the, you know, the broader, the wider campaign to, to save the whole Arctic. And that's really what we've, we've tried to do since, so, you know, yeah. taking on, I mean, we haven't been back to Russia to Prozlomnia, but, you know, we've been doing other work in the Russian Arctic, you know, trying to shine a light on what the company is doing out there. Did it for any period of time um, change for either of you, your, 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 your approach to, to future actions? Because obviously it's essential, but still there's going to be that, that a level of trepidation because of how one that would have on paper and in planning seemed so perfect and having researched it and seen a water cannon reaction or yeah. whatever, then went so so different. I think, I mean, it has been um, like a watershed moment for the Russian office. And I think the the profile that they were under and the suspicion that they were placed oh, under, I don't think has gone. And I think, you know, they're, they're, they are, and they're always, you know, monitored, but but far more closely now yeah. by the authorities. So, so um, the way of life for our colleagues in, in, in the Russian office is very, very different. And so there are, there are limits on, I think, what they can do because I think if you know they felt that if they tried something exactly like that again, then that's it. You know, they can kiss goodbye to Greenpeace Russia and to. Yeah. I think people would be banged up forever. Yeah. So there are there are you know we, there is a slightly different approach, but certainly you know the idea of um, nonviolent direct action is in our DNA here, yeah. and that's 100%. not changing. You know, it won't change, and so yeah. we've been. It can't change. Yeah, I mean, we got asked that lot, "Will you do this again?" And my response was, "Well, I'm not going back to Russia to do this again. Yeah. Greenpeace would not let me do it yeah. for starters. Yeah. They yeah, just yeah, wouldn't." Yeah. Um, will I not go back to the Arctic? Absolutely not. Definitely go back to the Arctic yeah. to fight for the campaign. Yeah. Um, so, and I think actually, out of the whole thirty, only one person has left Greenpeace, and even they still do freelance work. Yeah. So yeah. the the ordeal was one that was shouldered by and large pretty well yeah. by the Arctic 30 yeah. and the ramifications and the size of the story that we realised when we came out was probably the most wonderful thing yeah I can imagine because you suddenly realised it had achieved yeah it was worth something it yeah. did achieve I mean, something we knew people were working extremely hard but we didn't quite realise what they had achieved yeah. on our behalf yeah in as much as telling our story and, and it was massive yeah so I mean as we come to the end of this story I think the essential part as, you, as you've already said there is that um that wasn't the end of the Arctic campaign and the Arctic isn't saved. So can we just talk, kind of wrap things up with a bit of a talk of what the the campaign is now and how people can support and where they can get more information? Well, um, the big focus really now is on Shell. So Shell are planning to drill up in the Chukchi Sea in... Uh, off the northwest coast of Alaska. Mm-hmm. So they've spent a lot of money um, trying to get up there. They want to drill a couple of wells this summer, and we're doing what we can to stop them. So there's been this big activist movement in Seattle, so basically following Shell's drilling fleet, which is, ba- I mean, everything in 2012, Shell were trying to drill in Alaska. Everything that went wrong, or that could have gone wrong, did go wrong for them. Yeah. It was a complete disaster. And it was only by, you know, divine providence that there wasn't some sort of major accident yeah. up there. Um, but they're determined to go back. This year, we've already seen things like 
an icebreaker's got a massive hole in it, so it's had to go back for repairs. I mean, all just yeah. so the basic sort of um, technical expertise Shell just don't have. Lacking completely. Completely, and it's 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 getting to the stage where you're like, you know, the US government, Obama, has to step in here and say enough's enough because something will go wrong. Shell admit that you know a spill up there will be inevitable at yeah. some point, and and you, know, do you, and do you think that's 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 one of of the solutions then. Um, a Greenpeace against something you had to learn and have obviously done in the past but had to learn with the Arctic 30 was that it's essential to, to work with the governments and with this support which again it's always been a thing but I think I felt it was particularly heightened in yeah. that incident is that something that's become more of a realisation oh, now that yeah, globally much. you need the US you need the UK you need everyone to stand up together with Greenpeace and say look Shell this isn't very, very much so. And I think what we've, we've found, actually, is that the UK government, unfortunately, uh, is very much, or seems to be much more interested in furthering Shell's corporate interests right. than standing up for the Arctic or the climate. Yeah. Um, the same is true for America. You know, Obama has, has spoken out on the need to, to really, uh, you know, grasp the nettle with, with climate change and yet allow Shell to drill in the Arctic. So yeah. the one place that's warming faster than uh, any other part of the planet, you know, sea ice is in complete freefall. And their solution to that is to go and let Shell drill for more of the climate-wrecking fuels that's melting the ice in the yeah. first place. I mean, it's a very, very, um, you know, it's, it's a vicious circle. It's a of the Arctic cycle of... It is. And, but what we've learned, I think, and we've learned a lot from, from the Arctic 30, was that it's about how you use the power of people mm-hmm. um, to really influence those people who are usually, you know, hidden in the corridors of power to make positive change happen. Yeah. And so we learned an awful lot about that when, when Frank was banged up. Um, you know, lots of different techniques to try and get people excited, but actually motivated to take action on, I mean, on our a, behalf. I mean, that's a, a great point and a key thing as well, that governments are made up of individuals. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. You know, so there, there, is, there, there are people yeah. who can start to, to, be, to, yeah. to be reached and to understand. And oh, definitely. Hopefully, you know, there's ways there to make change. The more people you reach... As an individual, hopefully, the more that will bleed into general. That's 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 not something. Yeah, and you know, we've got seven over seven million people have joined uh, yeah. the Save the Arctic campaign, and you know, we need many millions more. Um, yeah. SaveTheArctic.org is where it all happens. So, yeah, we just we would you know ask that any you know the, the more the merrier because the Arctic is under massive pressure, and unless we get together and say enough's enough, both in the Russian Arctic in Alaska or Greenland or wherever, then it's going to vanish and it's going to be a very, very different world if that does happen. Yeah, well, um, uh, I will put this up on, on ACAST as, as one of the apps and we will have, throughout this, have been, been putting links in there for further information, for, for articles, for details. And particularly, I think, if you ignore all of those links, the key link is at the end here where we're sending, where people can go to support, to sign up, to express their... Um, yes, discuss at what's at what's going on and the change that needs to be made. That's the place to go. Save the Arctic.org. Well, th- well, thank you very much, guys. I won't thank you. keep you up any longer, but yeah. Well, thank you both for talking, and thank you both for everything you you kind of yeah, have you. went through on both sides of the of, of the ocean there. Yeah. Thank you. Thank, you, thank very you very much. Cheers. Cheers. Been listening to Scrooge Picks, the Scratch Jumpies. There you go, man! What a story! 
What a story, right? That's insane. That was that was part two of episode fifty-two of the Distraction Pieces podcast um, with Frank and Ben. Yeah, just in just amazing and mind-boggling. Even as I was sitting there talking to them, I'd hear myself ask questions as if we're talking about a film or something that you know, or something that's happened on TV, rather than stuff that Frank and Ben, in their in their own ways, have actually lived through. Um, yeah amazing inspiring stuff um hope you enjoyed that i mentioned at the end of the last one if you enjoyed that one i i think of all the ones i'd recommend full a full factor org would be a great one full factor org um a group set up to fact check all the inaccurate statistic and facts i'm doing a, a little inverted comma things um on that are used on Facebook, on Britain First Post, but also in Parliament, in the newspapers, all over the place. And they fact-check these things, and it's hugely important. So that was a great one. Um, you might enjoy the Russell Brand one. That was the first ever episode, chatting away with old old Russell. That was good fun. Killer Mike, I'd recommend that one hugely. You might think that sounds like an aggressive rapper. Yeah, it is. But um, he's also one of the most articulate and intelligent uh, people I've heard speak on the challenges facing black America um, at the moment. So, yeah, check them out. DistractionPiecesPodcast.com is where you can check them out or on iTunes or on the Acast app. Acast is where we tag all the pictures and have links in. So check that out. Um, until next week, this has been the Distraction Pieces Podcast. My name's Scroobius Pip. You can find me at Scroobius Pipio on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook.com slash Scroobius Pip. Loads more guests to come your way. Thank you for tuning in. Catch you all next week. <laughs>